Good morning, y'all. This is Dana from DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services and coming to you live from the studios here in the seacoast of New Hampshire. Uh, it's a beautiful morning, so to speak, um, in the clouds, but at least it's not raining for now. So today I wanted to come in and talk about the most recent audit findings that I've been coming across and that fall, they include the manipulation of financial aid files, which is not something you want to have in an audit finding. So I thought I would give you a little bit of information as to what you need to look for in your files prior to audit to make sure that you will not have a finding uh, based on manipulating of files. So again, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, my name is Dana and I am the owner of DAS Financial Aid Consulting Services, LLC, and I have a program that I have written called Financial Compliance, so Financial Aid Compliance Solutions. So as you will see, um, I have dedicated my life uh, for the past 16 years working in the area of financial aid and I can tell you that over the course of that tenure um, I have seen it all and uh, when I decided to become a compliance officer and auditor and begin DAS financial aid compliance services uh, the true goal and the reason why I started the business was to help colleagues like other financial aid advisors that work um, on the front lines with students um, understand what they're doing on a daily basis and how it is all tied into what happens in Washington DC with our US government because let's face it we're using funded money from the US taxpayers and we are the ones that are in charge of helping students get their financial aid that again is funded by the US taxpayers so everything that happens in Washington DC with regards to regulations or Supreme Court decisions or anything that is tied in uh, to, again what's happening in Washington DC with federal student loans affects our jobs and the reason why we are in the mess that we're in right now with student loan debt is because of the fact that we have people that are in this industry that do not understand what they are doing on a daily basis is affected by Washington DC and they are also setting students up to fail because the majority of the financial aid advisors that work at the larger institutions, and I'm talking the four-year colleges or universities, they are in the business of just processing the files. If you don't understand what you're applying for, they are leaving it up to you to do the research and the understanding. Once you sign that promissory note for your first year loans, you have loans and they'll just, so as long as you're continuing to fill out that FAFSA application and to 
continue to enroll in their school, they are expecting you to understand that every loan you are taking out, you know the balance up, you know how the interest accrues, and you are prepared to pay that loan back when you graduate. And it goes into repayment six months after you graduate. That's how it's set up in the in with the United States Department of Education. So again, the reason why I started the business was to try to help everybody uh, understand that is in this business of financial aid, or if you happen to be a student, or if you are a parent of a, st- of a child that is getting ready to go to college and you don't understand how this all works, that's the reason why I started this business. So without further ado, I am going to move on and we're going to talk about the most recent audit findings that I have uh, just basically come across. So the, the largest one that I'm finding right now is um, in review of identity and statement of educational purpose forms that were completed during the uh COVID overrides that were implemented by the Biden administration on July 13th of 2021 and extended them through to June 30th of 2023 that covered the 2021-2022 award years and the 2022-2023 award year files. Those award years are marked with the beginning of July 1st and they run through to June 30th. That's how an award year is defined in the United States Department of Education. So having said that, the only thing when the file was selected during those two award years, when they were selected for a process called verification, we were only to review the identity and statement of educational purpose, which confirmed that the application was the students that we were preparing to process the award. There are quite a few students that unfortunately in this country do not know the basics. They do not know how to read. They do not know how to write. And so when it came time to fill out this form and the form just requests, it's very simple. It's a pre-filled form with the language specifically from the Department of Education, the required language on this form. You have to complete your name as it appears on your file when you filled out your FAFSA. You need to provide the name of the school that you are attending. And you also need to confirm your date of birth. I mean, I'm sorry, not your date of birth, your social security number. And then you need to sign the form stating that you will only use this that you are the person that is applying for these funds and that you're only using these funds for educational purposes other than that once that's confirmed we were able to process the files under the guidance of the department of education the problem was that the majority of the students that i reviewed They could not spell their name, they could not spell the name of the school, and they could not confirm 
their social security number because they couldn't write the numbers. They were substituting letters of the alphabet for their social security number. And everybody was just kind of like passing it through and passing it through. I can tell you that this is a manipulation of files. And the reason why this is uh, an important finding is because one, you're not doing the student a service by just putting a file through. Because how do you know that that student who is also filling out a promissory note knows what they're signing up for when it comes to federal student loans? How do you know that the student understands that when they're done completing school, their education, and they go to graduate, that in six months they're going to be required to pay an upwards of $20,000 or more. There are some students that are upwards of the aggregate, combined aggregate, independent student loan limit of $57,500. I've come across dependent student loans files that are at their combined aggregate loan limit of $32,500. And they are still in the process of applying for more loans. But if they can't pay the current loans that they have, why are they being permitted to apply for additional loans? And the whole reason why is because they don't understand the process. But let's get back to the manipulation of the financial aid files. Because what happens is, is that if you cannot confirm the student's identity and their statement of educational purpose, and you go forward as a financial aid professional and process these loans, originate the loans with that information as is, it's false information. It's falsified information. You haven't confirmed that that student's social security number matches the file because if there's letters combined with the numbers, then the student's social security number is inaccurate because it will not match the social security card because nowhere on a social security card are there numbers and letters. They wouldn't call it a social security number if it was a combination of letters and numbers. So I highly encourage every single person that is listening to this podcast today that works in financial aid and is preparing for an audit, you go through your files and you make sure that those numbers are accurate. If they're not accurate and you still have contact with the student, you need to contact the student and have them come back and uh, have a discussion with them. And also you need to keep in mind that when you do this, you've already awarded the file with the manipulation of the information. So you need to check the handbook because the handbook says that if you haven't properly processed the file and you're going back to do it afterwards, that could be a finding as well. So I'm just pointing out the information to y'all. You can take it and do with it what you want. But I am telling you right now that this is part of the reason why we have such an issue in the United States of America. And the majority of the issues that we have going on are in the poorest sectors of the United States of America. 
And everybody that's playing this game with these students that cannot do the basics of reading and writing or math, which is very important because we're talking finances here, people. If you're just pushing these files through and you're not helping these students out to understand, then you're no better than a loan shark for the United States government. And I'm just putting it out there because that's exactly what's going on right now. There's no sugarcoating it. That's what's going on. So, after all of that, that was one incident of the manipulation of files. And this is exactly what's going on. Students are putting the, their social security numbers down, and if it contains the letter 5, they're putting, I'm sorry, the number 5, they're interchanging it with the letter S. And it's clear on some of them because the student's name has a letter S in it or the school's name has a letter S in it and it's a combination of both and you look down there and you see it point blank. So again, letters and numbers are not interchangeable when it comes to federal documents or when it comes to documents that have been issued to you from the federal government. If there's a number there, it's a number and, and you need to address it as such. And you also need to stop and talk to the student. There's no shame in the student and you having a conversation. And if you ascertain that that student is in or above their heads and they're not gonna be able to comprehend what's happening with their financial aid for their education, then you need to stop right there. And you need to make sure that they do understand. It's your job. So, Going forward, I just suggest that you're a little bit more careful because as of the 2023-2024 award year that has just began on July 1st and will continue till June 30th of 2024, full verification is in effect. And if you still have 22-23 files out there that are being processed or are in the, the, are in, um, the uh, chain, if you will, of processing and they've been selected for verification need to back it up June 30th was the deadline so if you haven't completed verification on those files the override expired and you're gonna have to complete verification now. which not a lot of people are talking about and so I'm just pointing that out there to you as well you just need to be on the lookout for that the other thing you need to also be aware of seen quite a few of these files going through too. There are a number of files out there that uh, students are missing out on aid. And the reason why they're missing out on aid is because financial aid professionals, school owners have decided that the questions that are asked on the FAFSA, eh, they're not necessary. We don't need to have those completed. They wouldn't be on the federal application if they weren't needed. And the questions that I'm, I'm specifically referencing right now on these applications are the government assistance questions. They do affect the calculation of the estimated family contribution. That number, as we all know as financial aid professionals, is what dictates what the students receive in federal student Pell Grant and also it dictates whether or not they're subsidized loan eligible. So if you come across a file 
and there isn't enough income to substantiate someone living and they have not indicated that they're receiving any type of Medicaid, Supplemental Social Security, SNAP benefits, welfare, WIC, or low-income housing, anything like that, you need to stop and ask the question. And if the, if the application was not completed accurately, meaning that the student on the 2023-2024 application in 2021 or 2022, they received those benefits that I just outlined and they didn't respond yes, then they need to go back and they need to correct their application to respond to those questions. And the reason why is one, as I stated, it helps with their calculation. But two, it also opens up the door. So while they're in school, they are eligible to receive other benefits from local agencies to help them maintain while they're going to school. So those, those questions are important. And it's also one of those things that if you need to have your students fill out a low income statement to determine how they are making ends meet, because another part of your job, whether you like it or not, is to help your students out. And if they can't make ends meet, then there's plenty of organizations out there to link them up with so that you can help them. One of the local organizations that I just became aware of and, and am going to reach out to them is an organization called My Turn. And there are locations in New Hampshire and also Massachusetts for students that are homeless. And the age range goes all the way to 24. These are also students that may have found themselves in a situation where they're having children as teenagers. So we have teen pregnancy. It's not a big shock here in the United States. We have teen pregnancy. So that's an also, you know, an organization that if you knew of an of a individual that is in a situation where maybe they're homeless or maybe they're pregnant and they need a little bit more help. There's agencies out there that you can link them up with. So I'm putting it out there that if you come across a file and I can tell you right now, the poverty guidelines for 2023, they are in effect. So if you have an application that says, oh, I only subsist, I only existed with three family members, I'm a single person, and I only had $8,000 in income, okay, and they didn't put down that they had any government assistance, you need to start asking the questions. Have them fill out a low-income form. There's nothing wrong with that. They'll outline how they're making ends beat for the past 12 months. And again, if there's something that you see that maybe you might be able to help them with, then put them in touch with the agency applicable. The other item I want to talk about real quick is with regards to these federal uh, student aid applications. The FAFSAs are being completed and they're being completed and no one's paying attention to the deadlines that are outlined on the first page on the right-hand side for every state. There are deadlines for every state, and the reason why every state has a deadline is because you, those states 
have scholarship opportunities for students to be able to apply for. And you don't have, there's scholarships out there that there's millions of dollars in scholarships. So for the reason why we have all of these students that say they can't pay their student loans back, but they were too lazy to maybe apply for scholarships because they had to write an essay and they didn't have the confidence that they thought, you know, why bother even applying because I'm never going to, you know, get the money. If you don't, it's like playing the lottery. If you don't put the buck in to play, you're never going to know whether you're going to win or not. You're just in there for a chance. And okay, life is full of chances, but you still need to let them know that the opportunity is there and encourage them. If, it, you know, everybody has a lack of self-confidence and, you know, even at every stage of life, but it's time that we start taking the initiative and making sure that when we're helping our students out, that we're, we're also educated in what we're doing. And we make sure that these deadlines aren't aren't missed. Or if you have students that that didn't know about scholarships opportunities, then you familiarize yourself and you give them the direction that they need. There's plenty of agencies out there. Scholarship Owl is one of them. You know, there's another one out there called scholarships360.org. Everybody should be looking at that. If you're going to higher education, you need to be looking at those scholarships. And, and apply for them. And there's also a, a gal in Chicago that I am um, collaborating with. I have been for a couple of years now. Her name is Teresa Harris. And she is known as Scholarship Mama. And she has all kinds of, you know, references and, and ability to help folks locate scholarships and families. So if you're looking to... Um, apply for scholarships she's a great resource so I highly recommend that you look her up she's um, again her name is Teresa Harris she's out of Chicago and the Chicago area and it's scholarshipmama.com uh, I believe but she's also got a Facebook page so you can look her up on Facebook um, she's on Instagram she does a lot of Instagram and Facebook lives at least once a week um, and she's holding all kinds of workshops and I highly recommend that you know you you look her up and um, reach out to her, and 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 she's a she again is a great resource for scholarships. So, having given you all that information for today, I'm going to actually go ahead and end this podcast because I know that uh, I could talk about this forever, but I know it's kind of dry, gets a little boring. So, <laughs> I thought we'll just uh, do a few highlights today for you. Um, as always, I greatly appreciate y'all, um, tuning in and listening and, um, happy to provide this information. If you have any questions, please reach out to me, send me an email at D Anderson at DAS financial aid consulting services.com. I'm always happy, uh, to answer anybody's questions. Um, and also I just want to put it out there that I will be hosting, uh, some workshops coming up in August for uh, students, especially homeschoolers. Uh, There's a lot of homeschoolers out there now that need assistance with filling out financial aid applications. So if you are a homeschooler or a parent of a homeschooler, I'm happy to connect with you. Um, And uh, we'll be again, putting together some workshops for everyone. So thank you again for listening and I will be talking to you soon. Take care. Bye.